0: beautiful well done well done i don't know i don't know about you but that that tells us or i hope that tells you what kind of church we are like like we're the good kind of like talk back church in the sense of like, we're not talking back at you. We're with you because we're on the same team, and we want to make sure stuff gets done together. Like we are a community of everyday people. So even when scriptures get, we're like, oh, which way should this go? It's like, no, like we got you back. Here we go. Call the audible. We are in this together, and I don't, I don't say that lightly. Um, I, my name is Kyle. If we haven't met, I am the lead pastor here. And the reason we try to do that and create that is because we want to get to know you and your story. And we hope that we build enough trust with you so that as we, like, get to know each other, like, we can be like that with each other. You know, the good kind of family where it's like, you know, put your arm around and be like, all right, listen, we we get to have a, a serious talk. But also the kind of family that we get to put our arm around each other, you know, and joke a little bit. Help each other out. Have some joy. Because life following Jesus together is meant to be joyful. I don't know where you're at today. Some of you may feel like it's Easter. I'm supposed to put a smile on. I'm ready to go. Like, let's be happy. And you're trying to get there. But on the inside, feel all kind of a little messed up. Your thoughts are consumed with job, kid, relationship, and you want to be happy because you're supposed to be happy because you've shown up here today, and for those of you watching online, you, you've tuned in. And you want to get to a place where it's like the, the moment matters, where, where it means something, where, where you can get to a place where it's like, I don't know, sometimes it's just nice to be able to like exhale. but sometimes what's going on inside of us just keeps us all knotted up my sincerest and like most honest self says that we together i did not start generations church there was a group of people who came together following jesus and said we want to build a community where no matter your background your walk of life, your personalities, your idiosyncrasies, your pet peeves, how you grew up, how you dress, how you look, you can come together and say, just start to open up your heart to God. Because today is the day that we celebrate, above all, how God has moved towards you. You know, we, we like stories of athletes and artists who, who have overcome, who have, who have some sort of adversity uh, where we've understood what, what has happened and they've got some story and some background and then they've overcome, they've arrived, they've achieved it. And, and even sometimes you, you know those athletes where it's like they were so skilled that they had to create something in their mind, like some slight or personal, like, <laughs> can you believe what so-and-so said about me to just create an edge to overcome or to get there. I mean, you can probably think of a few athletes that were great, like Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or Serena Williams. And I, I just name athletes because that's what I'm most familiar with. But chances are, with your background and experience, you can think of someone, maybe professionally, that you know, maybe even a movie where it's like the whole movie is built around someone overcoming some sort of adversity, some sort of slight. And sometimes that's a very real thing. And sometimes it's an internal story that someone tells themselves so that they can pull themselves up. So that they can exercise their willpower and get going when the going gets tough. And at the end of the day, while we like stories of victory and adversity, sometimes we feel like we've never got to a place where we've experienced victory. Today, above all other days, I want you to know that you have the opportunity to not fight for victory, but fight from victory. How many of you know that? That because Jesus walked on this earth, he died and he rose again. You don't have to fight for victory, for success, for approval, to, to, to good after it, you can fight from that truth. And in fact, you don't even have to fight. You can rest in that reality. You can live from that reality and be in such a place that every step you take, every moment when the going gets tough, you don't have to get going because the going of Jesus already went for you on the cross and resurrected. And that's the truth that we have to hang on to. If you can tell, I'm a little ants up today. <laughs> I'm naturally a little bit more of a passionate person. I mean, we can debate golf. We, we, can, we can debate theology. We can I, I'm okay to answer your questions and work through hard things. But if there's anything that's more important, that I, I just want you to desperately hear know and understand it that there are so many false gods that want to enslave and ensnare yeah. that want to keep you trapped serving them fulfilling their demands and there's only one god one belief system yeah. one 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 person yeah. that said you don't have to obey and then be accepted It's because you are accepted, because you are loved, you can then respond and live. Amen. See, you can live, work, and play out of the acceptance from God. And Moses the, is speaking in Deuteronomy to a group of people on the precipice of the promised land. He, he's been with these people coming out of Egypt He's been with them rejecting God. He's been with them being, them being afraid of God, being afraid of the world, experiencing difficulty. And then he wandered around the desert with them for 40 years and all they're complaining. That's a miracle in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And in the midst of all that, in his final dying days, Before they're about to cross the Jordan River to go into this land that God had promised. Because there they would dwell and be God's people amidst the nations. They were to be God's representatives. And so on the edge of the promised land, to the kind of the most climactic moment for them to be at a place of rest, to live, to build, of enjoyment. With God, for people. Moses gives a series of speeches. And he recounts their story in the early chapters of Deuteronomy. And then then he gives them these these guardrails, this way of viewing the world that we looked at the past couple months called the Ten Commandments. And as he comes out of that, he gets to this place where he's like, hey, let me give you a creed. Let me give you a refrain. Let me give you a slogan. Some of you like having little slogans on your Instagram bios. This is to be Israel's like slogan. This is to be the prayer in the morning and the prayer in the evening that marks their life. And Moses gives it to him. He says, "Listen, Israel. Yahweh." is our God. The Lord is one. Love him with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And not only do that, put that reminder everywhere. Talk about it. Share it. Live it. Don't forget it. So when we gather here today, some of you may wonder, So is this kind of like a religious thing to do, is to come in, sing songs, sit down, respond, take communion? Do you have to do that? What's the rules? What are the requirements? We do that because it helps us be reminded of who God is and what he has done. So in the Old Testament, as Moses gives this speech, he's trying to give them a way to be reminded, to be formed and shaped so that as they live. They were living not to earn God's favor, not to get a pat on the back from God, not to to simply be like, hey, you got an A-plus on that report card. Good job for keeping all the Ten Commandments. Because that's not even what those are. They're not a punch list or or a scorecard or a grade. But he is saying, God first moved towards you by bringing you out of Egypt he rescued you from a place of slavery. And now out of that truth, because he has chosen you to be his people, now choose him. Live as if you are chosen. That is the God that moves towards these people, towards Israel. See, Yahweh is unlike any other God's. He's unique. Because he sees his relationship with you as personal. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's personal. It's personal. That's our, that's our theme. It's personal. And sometimes we think, oh, I've got to take things personally. I've got to maintain my chip on my shoulder." I've got to overcome my adversity. Someone says something, and we take it personally and go, you know, boss says, hey, it's, it's time to work a little harder, and we go, is he talking about me? Better not be talking about me. <laughs> someone in your household says, man, I just wish someone would pay attention to me, and you whip your head around, you better not be talking about me. You talking about me right now? Some of you with kids know, and I just, I, <laughs> <laughs> they, they might say a little something about, like, listen, you got clothes and you got food. You better be thankful. And you don't say it like, like with such an attitude, but what you know is you know in those moments that statements can feel hurtful. It it can attack the heart because you know what your intentions are, what maybe even your motives are, and you even know what your past actions have been. And what's amazing is despite our past, despite our rejection of God, despite Israel's rejection of God, he still provided for them. He rescued them and took them to a land where they could be blessed and live and point back to his character. And we forget that, and we don't believe it at times, because we go on a journey of serving and propagating other and false gods. But Yahweh is unique. He is unlike any other god. And some of you, as I I say that, are are hitching your wagon to and that may be an old metaphor let me let me do another one that may be a little bit closer is like the god you're serving is like the titanic where you're on and you're convinced it's got all the amenities it's the best thing that's come out and you are set you are good you're gonna arrive at your destination and at some point an iceberg's gonna come something is going to attack the thing that you hold most cherished. I, I know sometimes we, we presume that everyone here is an active follower of Jesus. And I, I hear me again, I, I want you to follow Jesus. But for some of you, there's some reluctance, there's some resistance, there's some hesitancy. Well, let me tell you that the, the, the God that you are on the boat with, the, the, the God that is the boat that you are on is going to hit an iceberg and it's going to go down. And there is only one God that sends a life raft. There is only one God that sees you and says, I'm sending someone for you so that you don't have to go down with the ship. Because when the approval's not enough, when the comfort's not enough, when you can't maintain enough control, there is a God who says, I got you. I'm sending a lifeboat for you. And that lifeboat is Jesus. Amen. It is Jesus. He sent Jesus to walk on this earth, to show us first how to be human, but then to, to, to fully fulfill the law, the law that we maybe want to fulfill, maybe don't want to fulfill, but perfectly lives it out, Amen. extending mercy and grace to all who he interacts with. And then says, I know you didn't feel it. I know you've messed up. I know at times you want to and at times you don't want to. I got you. Let me lay down my life for you. Amen. And what's amazing is Jesus don't stay dead. Right. Amen. Come on. Because there's a lot of people that have died. You're going to die. And we all have to face the reality of death. But there's only one person who came back to life claiming to have been God, incarnate as God, and dwelt by the the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I'm not just God, I'm, I'm dying in your place, but I'm coming back to life so that I may open a passageway, so that I might extend a life raft for you to be in the boat with the one true and living God. we have all these competing life rafts that was maybe when you try to get off the boat some of you have been using religion you're saying if i can just act right if i can be right if i can believe the right things if i can do the right things if i can obey if i can work hard if i can be moral then i'll be good that only lasts for so long some of you are like hey i don't need god I can be irreligious. And there are people like that who seem happy and tolerant and idealistic and can determine right and wrong for themselves. But What happens is as you relate to God and to the world, things start to just become impersonal. God is just some force. See, without a true example of love, For you, we're not able to truly live loved, a sustained love within the world. See, the uniqueness of Yahweh would feel like a lifeboat on a sinking ship instead of a life sentence where we're imprisoned forever. And it's Jesus who lives out this uniqueness perfectly for us. See, it was never a matter of when God would show up in flesh. It was never a matter of if God would show up in flesh. It was a matter of when. See, even in the early pages of the Bible, as God creates and crafts his law so that people can experience him, he predetermines a plan to say, I'm going to come myself to show them and to give them life. See, it's because of Jesus that we don't have to serve false gods, that we don't have to respond to the the things that overwhelm and weigh us down. See, because all the other gods in your life demand something from you. The God of the Bible gives himself. There's only one God that does that. He gives himself. In the movie "The Wizard of Oz," Dorothy and her companions set out to find the Wizard of Oz. They think he's like this godlike figure who can give them what they want, you know, a brain, a heart, courage. Except when they get there, it turns out to be fake. There's an intimidating facade, but behind it is just a pathetic old man. The magnificent image is just a front. Sometimes we live lives as if God is a bit like the Wizard of Oz. Jesus is the attractive face of God, but behind is a facade behind which lurks a grumpy old man. But nothing could be further from the truth. See, the Israelites experienced the incredible power of God removing them from slavery in Egypt, providing them a place to rest and dwell. In Christ, God moves toward you. It's personal. Christ is the perfect word of God in the image of God because Jesus is God. And when we begin to see the Son, we see the Father. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The Father, the Son, are one being. There's not another God lurking behind the scenes. Jesus really is what God the Father is like. And to relate to the Son is to relate to the Father and to the Spirit. See, it's the Spirit of God which raised Jesus from the dead that can now live in you. Some of you are searching for a power, for a life raft, for a way to go about that just will fail, will give out. The battery is going to get depleted. There is only one eternal life source that goes and goes and goes, and that is God, the Spirit of God that can live inside of you and power you as suffering comes as difficulty comes, and be the reminder, even in the moments of joy and blessing, that I didn't do anything to earn it, but it was a free gift for me. The exercise of spiritual power in your life is not conditioned on your past. Some of you right now are, are living as if I can't get to that next level, or I can't get to the next stage, or yeah, I, I've I've got this past that I just I just can't get beyond. Through the power of Christ can take your unique story and bring glory and goodness. You may not understand why you've went through that, what challenges you face, what point of adversity that you've had to overcome. But the beautiful news is that you don't have to do that alone. You're not expected to do that alone. Because God moved towards you in Christ Jesus so that when you put your faith in him or baptized into him, you receive the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead into your being that can give you the capacity and power to not just endure, to not just survive, but truly live life with an overwhelming joy and peace that just simply radiates. And that is the power that you need, and that I need. See, God doesn't call you based on how you act. He's called you on who he created you to be. He's moved towards you, not because of your past, but because of who he is. And as the Israelites were about to move into this next stage of their life, they needed a reminder and a refrain to hear that the Lord was their God, that the Lord was one. He was unique, unlike any other. And we need that reminder too, that in a world that is competing, full of competing voices, competing narratives, competing stories, that there is only one story that can reign supreme and be true. And the call of the church, the call of the people who say, okay, I'm ready, I'm in, I'm getting on that lifeboat and I'm sailing with that God wherever he may take me. is to tell that story again and again. And when people step into the lifeboat to celebrate that, because they've a, not just made a choice to get off the false God and step into another boat, but they've made a choice yes. to step into life, into fullness. Amen. See, you're positionally special because God has moved towards you in Christ. Some of you want to see victory. Some of you want to see change. Some of you have seen that. Amen. And for... Some of you who are kind of feeling like you're just, you're just waiting. God, I just haven't seen it in this area of my life. Know that he did, in Christ, move towards you. Yes. He did. Amen. And it's that statement and that truth that allows us to understand who he is and what he has done and so now live. Amen. And the practical work is now living that reality. Because God always motivates you, not with what you are doing, but with who you are connected to him. His motivation, his cajoling, his say get on the lifeboat, is not because it's time to act right, think right, be right, do right. It's because he is right. He is good. And when that truth penetrates our heart, we can be motivated to live in such a way that he's just not the seasoning on our food. He's not just the gravy on our mashed potatoes. He's not just like the little extra that we throw into our life to make it spicy and feel good. But he is the meal. He is the main course. He is the God who we feast on and connect to and need for our nourishment to to survive, to live. And some of you have been content with just adding a little God spice to your life. Today, my encouragement is don't just add a little spice, but make him the main course. Choose him. Because he didn't just come and live and die, but he rose Again, and that power can fuel you as you navigate life. So ask God, How is God's love showing up in my life right now? And if you're struggling to answer that question, go back to it. He sent Jesus. So you don't have to fight for victory. You can fight from victory. Living the loss of Christ and realizing that you have gained everything in him. Because when you live that victory, when you realize that God is not limited, he is gracious, and that he does share, you begin to share that truth. The words on your lips, the story you tell, is one of his goodness and his graciousness. Amen. You're not reluctant or reticent to say I see God in this Amen. because you know that the only way more and more people will get on the life boat with you if you say, "Hey, Jesus is the way the truth and the life." Mm-hmm. Amen. No one comes to the Father except through him. Amen. But also for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Not to condemn the world, but that so we might live through him because he loves you. And so today, for some of you, you need to consider taking that first step. Maybe it's the first step of baptism to say, yes, I'm getting in the lifeboat. And what we do in that is we we dunk you down in water to participate in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And when that reality comes true, God makes you a new person with a new family, Amen. with a new mission. Amen. Not built on what you can do or what you can conceive, right. but on who he is and what he has done. And that's the story yes. that we want to tell as a church. Amen. Again and again and again. That it's because of Jesus, Amen. who he is and what he has done, Amen. that we can be a people shaped and transformed. Mm-hmm. That as we can look at our past and be cleansed from our sin but also be given power for new life now through the spirit and so what i want to do as we wrap up today is every week as a church we pray a prayer and it's a series of words that it's nothing special it's nothing magical like okay here's this extra zester season now you're extra spiritual we can go and send you out But for us, it serves as a reminder that we're not here by accident. That we We didn't choose to gather here just because it's the right thing to do or because it's the religious thing to do or because we're trying to clean ourselves up. But it's to remind and motivate that God's love is personal for us and we want to make his love known to our community the people in our workplaces sometimes even in our own homes to our neighbors the place we go to the gym where we share with our hobbies so my encouragement is as we pray this prayer to close that you receive you don't have to earn you don't have to strive but trust that God moved towards you in a very personal way because Easter is personal for God. It's personal for him. You are personal to him. He loves you. So let's pray this together. Maybe you want to stand and you or you want to repeat the words, but I'll just I'll just read it to us. And this is my prayer for you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Through this reality, may you live your faith every day, everywhere. May God's family expand and grow. May your motivation be because of Jesus living out his story. May you make his ways be known and then live for generations to come. Amen. Have a great week. Live loved.